Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing book 36, Making Money. Yep, another moist book. The Return of Moist von Lipvig. Mm-hmm. Another and... moist book that I did not like as much. Well, that first one was like one of your favorites. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, so here is what happens. Moist runs the mint. Yep. Makes money. Like yes. it says on the tin. Correct. Yeah. I was going to say runs the bank, but he just runs a bank. Mm-hmm. It's an important bank. It's like the city's bank. Yeah, and the one that prints the money as well. Right. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. So, yeah, we weren't real happy with this one. I mean, it was okay. Like, I don't want it to sound like a sorcery thing where I'm like, I hated this. It was a miserable reading experience. It absolutely wasn't. There's a bunch of really good gags in this, and there's some character stuff I really liked. Um, But uh, let's actually just sort of roll into my bad thing. Okay. While we're trashing on it, let's just trash. Well, before that, I've been... Reluctant, like I've been going over in my head how mm-hmm. to how to talk about this because it does feel like from this point forward, based on my memory, the series begins a bit of a decline. It's we definitely are through the sweet spot, but I yeah. would say that the next two Tiffany books are both excellent, and I really like both of them. I maybe am remembering. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about yeah. the the third one and the fourth one is entirely sentiment to me mm-hmm. and. You know, after 40-some books, he's he's earned that sentiment to say, hey, here's my last book. It's very sentimental. Right. But I don't know if it's good because of that. It's hard to be objective. I remember it being good as well as sentimental. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, I Shall Wear Midnight also being good. I have no... You, you I... told me a couple of plot points from that book to, to jog my memory mm-hmm. and is like, nope, not ringing about. I know I read it, but... I didn't love Raising Steam and I didn't love... Um, Snuff. Snuff's like, okay. They're both okay. Neither Again, neither of them are bad. And I don't love Unseen Academicals either. There's a lot about Unseen Academicals that I like. It's uh, surprisingly experimental for this late in the series. But I believe in the timeline of Terry Pratchett's life, he not only had his diagnosis that he was sliding into Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but was starting to feel the effects of it. And I'm not going to say his writing is bad, because it's not bad, but it's, well... Your, your bad thing. Yeah, let's so get into this, this. Let's talk about my bad thing. So mm-hmm. what I had come to really love about Terry Pratchett's work, particularly by this point, was, and we've talked about this before. Well, we've talked about the sweet spot. It's yeah. been 10, 12 books. Like, it's not like we think it peaked at this one book. Right. No, it was a long stretch. It was a good quarter of the series. Yeah, it was excellent. And yes. it did this thing where it meshed plot elements with character elements with themes and the themes echoed with within other themes in within the same book and one thing followed to another and it felt very cohesive uh this book significantly less so um the plot is really really end heavy in the book and the stuff that happens at like if we were just reviewing the final 20 percent of the book i would have fucking loved this yeah all of the best like plot stuff happened in act three and that stuff was was great like like i say if we were if if we were doing the if we were just writing the end of the book the end of this book is like an a Mm -hmm. it's really good it's funny and there's poignant moments and there's great character stuff but getting to that point there's actually parts of this that were kind of a slog especially in the first 10 15 percent of the book i was gonna say the very beginning yeah we put the audiobook on and i'm like 
am I having a bad day? Is this mm-hmm. not good? And you're like, no, I'm not really, I'm not really here either. Like I'm following it. And but it's, it's okay. Yeah. Like it's Let's not. Let's be clear. Yeah. Like, like mediocre Terry Pratchett is still better than good. A lot of authors. But it wasn't, it didn't really sort of nab me. And the book doesn't really hook me until about halfway through the book. And then I sort of start getting on board. But I remember not particularly loving this book. And when I were listening to the beginning, I was like, oh, no, maybe I really don't like this book. Like I thought, I thought I was like, oh, sort of lukewarm on it. But, well, but it turned out, no, no, no. It's just, we started it's picking weighted it apart, really weirdly. And I think what you, your memory was, mm-hmm. was that it was just going postal 2.0. It was just like slightly different, but basically right. more of the same. The way that Men at Arms was to Guards Guards. Right. But it, it wasn't like that. It was no. a different book. Yes. Uh, but it, it just didn't have, it didn't really have the same soul. That a lot of the other books, yeah. Uh, which you know, for my bad thing, just grind down a soul until you can find out what it's made out of. That's yeah, but that's, that's helpful. That's his thing. Yeah, like that's what we've been pointing out book after book for the last 10, 12 books is is that great spirit, that great mm-hmm. humanism, that great like this is what heroes are and this is what good people are and all of that. And this felt like. It very well could have been moist up against this monolith of banking and this sort of grinding old beast. And it was sort of this nimble, it could have been this sort of nimble, like quick thinking figure against that, but it never really was. No, and it could have been maybe maybe less of a personal story and more of a like uh, political story right. about the the dangers of capitalism and there wasn't much it, of that there either. wasn't really much of that and the sort of one of the the driving plot points here is that what has worth in Ankh-Morpork, and Terry Pratchett's brought this up before, is the people and the industry and the imaginativeness and right. the like all of that that's what is valuable in Ankh-Morpork, not so much the money. No, and and Moist wants to push people off the gold standard Mm -hmm. because gold is inherently, like, you don't do anything with gold other than acquire it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Like a dragon. When the dwarfs get it, they just have it, and that's it. That's the end of the cycle. Like, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, the point is to have it. Right. And there's a bit where he's talking with some people on the street, and they have this sort of idea that, well... The gold exists to keep banks honest, which I remember being a child and having like basics of economics sort of started to be explained to me. And this was very much that feeling like, no, 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 it means that a dollar means something because there's gold to back it up. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And well, it's there. But, okay. And then? Well, it's supposed... I'm. Neither of us knows anything about economics. That's part of why I think some but, of that stuff but, was lost on us. But it's but it's made of feathers. Yeah, <laughs> but it's supposed to mean as my understanding yeah. is at any point you sh- when we were on the gold standard, we haven't right. been on the gold standard my entire life. Nixon took us took us off the gold standard. It's been forty years, right? More than forty years. Um, but ideally, when we were on the gold standard, you could take your dollar or your hundred dollars or whatever at any point to a bank and exchange it for that in gold. But, but you could do that now. You could just buy a dollar's worth of gold. Right. It would be flakes probably, but you know what I mean? Like, So that doesn't really make sense to me either. Doesn't really. And it, he talks about this with the idea that, yes, you could do that, but it's based on the understanding that no one will do that. Right. Um, so there was, there was some of that, but 
it felt like because Moist has always thought that people were important and money wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like even back when he was doing his skullduggery, what was interesting to him wasn't getting money. Like he just put it in a pile and was like, okay. No, was, he buried it. Yeah, it was a way to keep score. And then he ended up like repurposing it for the for the city because it didn't matter. He got like he won. That's the what prize was important didn't to him. matter. Exactly. And what was important to him and this was in sort of a like an evil way was the interactions he had with people scamming them and taking advantage yeah. of their of like of their cupidity and all of like that was what was interesting to him. So it feels like as he becomes sort of um a person who doesn't want to hurt people anymore, you could sort of feed that into this where money's still not important people are still important right. and that's what he's trying to push there was a bit of that it felt like it was kind of in there but normally that would be in one of terry pratchett books like the real theme yeah and it would, it would recur in five different it would echo through different iterations through the story so you really got it. so you would feel moist transformation into a better person and at the same time the city's transformation uh, off of gold and on to yeah. sort of the and people it would be standard. restated in different ways through minor characters like that's how he rolled and that's why i'm starting to think and maybe it's in bad taste and mm-hmm. i don't mean it this way but maybe the fact that he's starting to lose his like some and he even said like there's interviews yeah, from him at the you time you said you were reading some interviews he, he leaned on his notes a lot more like something that would take an hour to write would take three hours to write mm-hmm. like it was just a lot harder for him to trudge through it and i i wonder if that just made it harder for him to thread the needle and tie everything together the way he used to or it could just be that he had he wrote a dud it, but it feels like like i mean it was barely textual it was in there a little bit yeah. but in any of his other books that's what would have sort of blossomed yeah. out of the story we pointed it out as yeah. recently as the most previous book like that's what he does well when he's firing on all cylinders but we we just never got there in this mm-hmm. so it felt it was way less engaging yeah also it occurred to me as you were saying like mm-hmm. As we were sort of untangling what we liked and what mm-hmm. we didn't, um, that when when you realized mm-hmm. this wasn't just copying going postal, right? I realized all of his main characters, all of his major characters that sort of carry a sub series, their first appearance almost almost never is their best one, right? Sam Vimes is okay in the first appearance, but he gets better. Like the fully formed Sam Vimes doesn't show up until book two or three. Right. Same with Granny. Same with Tiffany. Like, Tiffany's, like, the book we covered last time, I would say, was the most realized Tiffany. Right, because she was she more was, of a person and less of a force of She started having flaws, and she yeah. started, like, she was becoming a, a grown-up in this particular mm-hmm. case. But, like, even Rincewind had, like, he barely had a character, but he had more of a character in, Later his, books, in his subsequent yeah. appearances. So it's weird that while Moist had some great character stuff, mm-hmm. and while there were some building on the previous one it's weird that his second appearance isn't as good as his first one because that's not usually how terry like he usually gets the idea on its feet and then he's like okay but now i can really mm-hmm. do something with it and this time it was like and mm, the character like was that. still there in this like this oh, was a, this was yeah. a this was uh, there was a lot of great moist bits there was in a, this it was it was a great way to approach a second book mm-hmm. of this kind of character because now he's comfortable and he hates it yep it's it doesn't suit him the idea of just sort of settling down and getting to work is not, it's not good for Moist. It's not healthy for Moist. And he continues to seek thrills in less sort of um, productive ways. Yeah, he's still The work's doing, gotten boring. He's still 
got the trappings of a criminal, mm-hmm. but he's not doing crime with it. He owns lockpicks, and he's got a bunch of disguises, and he runs around on the rooftops. He's not stealing anything, mm-hmm. but he's acting like a criminal because of the thrill. And he says it's like, he feels like it's a little pathetic. Even he sees it's a little pathetic, like wearing a jolly tie to mm-hmm. work. Like, oh, I've got a fish tie. I'm an interesting fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really great, and this sort of leads into my into my good thing, actually, yes, I was gonna... is... He doesn't act like this when Adora Bell is around. No, and I think, is it Vetinari who points that yes. out? Who says, it's weird that you're doing this because when she's here, you, you don't act like this. And because she is that sense of danger mm-hmm. in a way. Because he says that she doesn't have, there's no cracks in her. She doesn't have any levers. He calls her, like her nickname that he gave her a spike. And he yeah. said, it's because she's so spiky. And every time he talks about her, you can just hear just sort of like mm-hmm. a little boner. Just, mm-hmm. just a little boner, um, and this is definitely the horniest book. This is by far the horniest. We'll, book. we'll get more yeah. into that in a moment, but but it's again, it's not entirely textual, but it's pretty clear that Moist and Adora are boning down. Oh like, yeah, they're that's what they are doing. They're not married, um, but they're engaged. They're engaged, but they're definitely like uh, they're definitely. There's a sequence where Moist says he wakes up alone, and he's like, and it was disappointing mm-hmm. because. No, and she shows up halfway through the book, which mm-hmm. is disappointing because one of the things I like about the subseries is I like the main guys the most. Mm-hmm. In a granny book, I like granny the best. In Tiffany books, I like Tiffany mm-hmm. the best and so on. But it's they always bring a supporting cast with them. And she's the next, like she and Vetinari are the next right. two. And tons of Vetinari, great stuff. Like he's still flawless. He's still a perfect character as far as I'm concerned. Yep. And Adora Bell's great, too. There's nothing wrong with her. She's just not in the book until about the 50% mark. Right. And that's, she's sort of my, well, them together is my good thing. This is yeah. one, I would say probably Terry Pratchett's best romance. Yes. Um, them, their courtship made sense. They, they're, the fact that they're still together makes sense. Mm-hmm. They work well together. It's kind of an unstoppable force, immovable object thing. Like she's so stubborn and strong and um, focused on what she wants to do that Moist can't fool her. Right. And he loves that. And she loves how interesting and constantly moving and flitting around. Like she, she likes that too. Mm-hmm. Like they're both just so... They're both so into it. This actually brings me to my quote, mm-hmm. which uh, we'll get to the plot point in a minute. But she's just gotten some information out of someone by mm-hmm. batting her eyelashes a little right, bit. Right, which she doesn't normally do. Yeah, but also not really breaking character. It's no. just this dude's into her sort of tough act anyway. Mm-hmm. So she just leans into it. And uh, so when they when she gets what she wants and they leave... Uh, and how is that for you, said Moist, stepping out into the sunlight. Into the sunlight. Do I detect a note of peevishness, said Adora Bell. Well, my plans for today did not include dropping in to chat with a 300-year-old lech. I think you mean lich. And anyway, he was a ghost, not a corpse. He was leching. All in his mind, said Adora Bell. Your mind, too. Normally, you go crazy if people try to patronize you. True, but most people aren't able to translate a language so old that even golems can hardly understand a a tenth of it. Get a talent like that, and it could be you getting the girls when you're three centuries dead. You were just flirting to get what you wanted? Adorabel stopped dead in the middle of the square to confront him. And you flirt with people all the time. You flirt with the whole world. That's what makes you interesting, because you're more like a musician than a thief. You want to play the world, especially the fiddly bits. And that's, I, I love that so mm-hmm. much. That, that 
on the one hand is some good gender politics. Right. Because he's the jealous boyfriend and she's like, look, I put up with it from you. Shut up. Yes, yeah, shut up a minute, okay? But second, it illustrates what you just said about their relationship, what she gets out of it in addition to what he sees in her. Like, she's into it. Mm-hmm. She's fine with him being a giant flirt with everyone. But you have to acknowledge that. You have to live in that. You can't just, like, dance around that. And I, I just, it was very good. And Moist, she's right. Moist does flirt with everyone. Yeah. She flirts. He flirts with the entire city. Yeah. Well, that's his whole, that's yeah. his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole city hopes that maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one day could be. Maybe mm-hmm. tomorrow. Well, and this leads me to my good yeah. thing. So in the early parts of the book, Vetinari's noticing that he's doing all this risky stuff, mm-hmm. all this bullshit. And he's like, okay, I got I to gotta keep him busy. I got to give him something. Yeah, he's about to do something real stupid. And there's, there are several reasons mm-hmm. that we find out later why he sort of maneuvers him into this, but he moves him toward the bank. And he's like, you're going to you're going to watch these people. It's run by a family called the Lavishes, which which reminded me of the Roy family from uh, Succession. From Kiss from Daddy, the yes, show. Yes, from the Kiss from Daddy show, of yes. course. Um, and uh, just they're awful, awful rich people. And uh, But right now, for a little while anyway, uh, the matriarch who runs the mm-hmm. bank is Mrs. Lavish, who is this delightful old lady who sees completely through moist. She is she was not born into wealth. She was right. like um she was like a like courtesan. Vimes. Yeah. And well, so Well, Vimes isn't a courtesan. No. But yes. <laughs> yes. Well, um she but that's that's her whole that's yeah. her whole thing was the the guy from the shitty rich person family married her because he fell head over heels mm-hmm. for her. Um and she actually says that she was his second wife. His, she was originally his mistress, mm-hmm. and her and the original wife would meet for tea once a month to like yep. sort out his schedule because yep. they were just like whatever. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I mean, there's European countries that yeah. supposedly do that now. I mean, that's 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 a thing. Um, but she's very openly, aggressively flirty mm-hmm. with with Moist. Mm-hmm. Like she says a few things that are downright dirty, which is fantastic, and she sees right through him. She knows that. She knows what a criminal looks like. Yeah. And she calls him out on it, and and he's like, okay, well, I guess I don't get to run the bank. And she's like, wait a minute. Don't be dumb. I didn't say you were a bad person. I I don't say I I didn't like you. I said I know what kind of person you are. Mm -hmm. And she is a delight. Mm -hmm. Every word of her, every moment we spend with her. And I understand for the plot, she has to die to move things along. So that Moise can take control of the bank. Yeah, it makes sense. And I've seen stories like that. I understand how that works. But I wish we could have spent more time with her because she was so goddamn delightful. And this was another example of us meeting a character in one book, falling in love with them. 20% of one book. We've never met them before. We will never meet them again. He's good at that when he wants to be. I mean, there's a lot of minor characters in this one I don't like. Honestly, most of the minor characters in this one are kind of duds. I'm about 50-50. Um, but she was fantastic. Uh, she has a little dog. Mm-hmm. Mr. Fusspot. Mr. Fusspot, who she leaves the bank to, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, like, when she's alive, she owns a 50% stake in the bank, and the dog owns a 1%. Which her husband yeah. did it as a, like, yeah. a rakish joke. Yeah, to, to as a fuck you to the kids. Yeah. And then, so she turns her 50% over to the dog. And she leaves the dog to Moist. Yeah. So whoever is the caretaker of the dog effectively makes the decisions for the chairman. And then she sets up a contract with the Assassin's Guild and says, if Mr. Fusspot gets killed, 
you get killed next, Moist. Right. It is your it is your job, it is your life to defend the chairman. And in a lesser comedian's hands and a lesser humorist's hands, the joke would then be the dog doesn't like him. Right. Like No, the dog loves him. That's but that's the thing. It's yep. like you would expect the next hundred pages to be the dog bites him and runs away mm-hmm. and almost gets killed and runs through a construction site and mm-hmm. almost, and no, it takes about ten seconds for them to bond because he's moist and, and everyone. It's loves mostly moist. just moist carrying the dog around with him. Yes. The whole thing, like just under, because it's a little dog, so just under his arm. Yep. There's a great little bit where uh, uh, Mrs. Lavish says, "What kind of dog do you think he mm-hmm. is?" and uh, Moist says, "Well, he's everything." All of them. Yes. <laughs> and just kind of a mutt. Kind of a, like a like a high class gas boat, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. Like every time someone says the dog's name, mm-hmm. like he'll sit up and bark. Doesn't do much until a certain point. Do you want to do you want to talk about this now? Uh, so this is going to be uh my quote. This is the it's, funniest thing in the whole series, maybe. Uh, it's this is definitely the hardest I've I laughed. Yeah, because, the first time. Yeah, because I wasn't expecting it. It's and not then his it, kind of joke. It's really not because he doesn't like. Sex is implied in these books. Nanny Og will elbow you in the ribs until you're bruised. Yeah. But that's about it. But we don't actually see a ton of like No, and there and was we had like we had the like the guy who made condoms. Yeah, in... but that wasn't really like it that was more of a practical like like his great socioeconomic huh? here's how this fits into the picture kind of thing. It wasn't really funny. This though, oh my god. And it continues throughout the book like it's not just a yeah this one... thing happens and then it continues to happen and it's just perfect like just a perfect comedy setup so i'm gonna read you sort of two sections because there's a long bit in the middle and you need the uh you need the beginning to yeah, get the of payoff course. he returned to the bureau and was sifting through its contents when he heard a click and a creak from behind him and a doorbell said in a rather flat voice did you say he entertained young ladies up here right apparently yes why well that's what I call entertainment. Moist turned. The door of a heavy cupboard stood wide open. Oh no, he said. What's all that for? You are joking. Well, yes, all right, but it's also black. And leathery, said a doorbell. Possibly rubbery, too. They advance on the Museum of Inventive Erotica just revealed, some of it freed at last from confinement, unfolded, slid, or in a few cases bounced onto the floor. This, Moist prodded something, which went sproing, is, yes, rubbery. Definitely rubbery. But all this here is pretty much frilly, said a doorbell. He must have run out of ideas. Either that or there were no more ideas to be had. I think he was 80 when he died, Moist said, as a seismic shift caused some more piles to slide and slither downward. Well done him, said a doorbell. Oh, and there's a couple of bookshelves here, too, she went on, investigating the gloom of the back of the cupboard. Just there, beyond this rather curious saddle and whips, bedtime reading, I assume. And so then they, like, we go a little bit further. Yeah, this is this is old Mr. Lavish. Yes. Like, he not only had the wife and the mistress, but messed also, around on everyone yep. constantly. Also, real quick, before you mm-hmm. before you move on to the next passage, I just want to point out, to to support your earlier point, how sex positive and mm-hmm. non judgy they are, they're kind of into it a little bit. They're kind of look look at this. You know what it's for. Look at this. Like they're probably not going to grab it and use it. No, it's but somebody else's. They sex know business. what it is, and they're not going ew. They're going hmm. And the later on, uh, 
they talk, Adorabel says she's sort of talking about this and she's like, she thinks it's like putting horseradish in your sandwich. Yeah. And uh, like, it's one of those things where at first you try a little bit and then you put a little bit more and then eventually you're just... Just like, a horseradish just, sandwich with no meat. Yeah. And then Moise says, uh, I've seen you do that. Yeah. Which kind of implies... Maybe means... Uh, yeah. But it would not surprise me at all if these two figured out where these things came from and maybe went shopping one day. Yeah, no, like they're... They have a healthy sex life and I like that. They're super into it. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, then later on, as yeah. we're sort of closing out the scene, um, Adorabelle says, Hey, this was to Mr. Fusspot, who trotted smartly out of the room with something in his mouth. Tell me that was just an old rubber bone, she said. Please? Oh, no, said Moise, shaking his head. I think that it would definitely be wrong to be the wrong description. It, I think it was, was, it was not an old rubber, rubber bone is what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anyone who's had a dog, what do you have in your mouth? Where mm-hmm. are you going? Mm-hmm. Only like the worst possible, most embarrassing thing. And the dog keeps popping up with his new toy and will not mm-hmm. let anyone take it from him. And he he goes by Angua at one point, just sort of vibrating past. Mm-hmm. And it, Angua it had, knows what it is. It comes up a couple times, and then at the very end of the book, um, Vetinari ends up adopting Mister Fusspot, which to is good because he lost Waffles so mm-hmm. many books ago. And uh, he sees him go by, and he says to Drumnot, "The thing he had now just wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't." Was it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's just, it's just a regular it's just bone. A rubber bone. But th- mm-hmm. that's one of the only times I've seen Vetinari sort of nonplussed was when his dog maybe had a vibrator. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. Could be. <laughs> Actually, though, speaking of Vetinari, we mm-hmm. hadn't really talked about this when we were talking about Adora mm-hmm. Bell. How much we realized in this book, she's the only one who can just say whatever the fuck she wants oh, to him. Oh, she sasses him. And he... He's got a way to shut down everyone. Mm-hmm. He can shut down Vines. He can shut down Moist. Anyone in the city. Not her. He just winds everyone up and lets them do their thing. Yeah. But- and he's got no way to, like, undermine her. He's mm-hmm. got no way to attack her insecurities. He She doesn't have any. Yeah. Just the way Moist says there's no... He has no lever into her. Right. It's the same with Vetinari. Because Vetinari can do everything that Moist can do, only better. Well... We were talking about this. Mm-hmm. It feels like Vetinari has the same skill set Moist has, only he doesn't have the flair for being showy about mm-hmm. it. So the fact that you can manipulate everyone around you, but then you don't have to then go, ta-da, mm-hmm. means no one knows they're being manipulated and you can just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between Moist and Vetinari. But he can't with Adora Bell. Yeah. She's just impervious to all of this stuff. Which... But she's also not dangerous, so he doesn't have her arrested and thrown in a cell, which is his basically his last recourse for someone like that. Right. No, she's not. She's not going to do anything. No, she's that... important. She's Im- she's, she does she good for wants, the city. Yeah, she wants what's best for the city, too. And right. she also wants what's best for Moist. But I think that's an important point, too, mm-hmm. to that she's allowed to remain, like, continue doing that. Yeah, a free agent. Because she, like... She says what she wants, but she's also a force for good. So he just shuts up and takes it, and I kind of like that. But it, it's, it is weird. Yeah, it um, definitely is. We also, um, we get some really great veterinary moist scenes oh, yeah. in this book. And I really got the feeling that veterinary kind of likes moist. Yes. Uh, where he's letting him run, and most of the stuff he's doing to moist, he's doing in a way that ends up 
helping the city, of course, because that's the primary thing, but also helping Moist. Mm -hmm. They're not friends, but I get the feeling that he has kind of a soft spot for him and Moist doesn't see it at all. No, it struck me that Moist a couple of times in the story was like, I'm going to have to leave the city or he's going to have me hanged. And it's like, you idiot, he saved you from being hanged because he thinks you're valuable. Mm -hmm. He's probably not going to do that. And he doesn't realize that Vetinari trusts him. No, and I think that's built into the character. I think that's a deliberate flaw and not like a like a, you know, No, it, it felt it felt right. It felt like Yeah. this is a thing that Moist couldn't see. Yeah. We can see it cuz we're running outside looking in. Right. But I I I kind of liked it. Like I feel like yeah. I say I feel like he's kind of a bit of a soft spot for Moist. No, and I like how Vetinari fucks with him in ways mm -hmm. that are very different from the way we see him fuck with Vimes in like 10 different books. Mm -hmm. Like he'll just have his coach sitting outside the post office all day. Mm -hmm. And if Moist is like, what? Why are you watching me? What are you talking about? We're not watching you. I'm just sitting here. This is a public street and this is my coach and I'm just sitting here. Do you just get into coast coaches you see? Yeah. Like, that yeah. seems bad. And it was, it, it, I liked all that. Yeah, no, that was really good. I, I mean, Vetinari's always amazing. There like, is a really great sequence. And all of the great sequences are at the fucking end of the book. Yeah. Because. No, I feel like this is, this has all the pieces of a good book just assembled in a weird order. Yeah, no, and, but at the end of the book, we have this really wonderful sequence. And if I hadn't just read you guys fucking six pages, I would read this. I would read this section to you. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's at the very end, and um, Moist and Adorabelle and the Patrician are all sort of riding off in a coach and having a conversation. And uh, there's a character in this, uh, Cosmo Lavish, one of the sons from The Kiss from Daddy. Uh -huh. um, and his whole thing is that he is obsessed with Vetinari. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that in a minute. But. Okay. But he's obsessed with Vetinari and he uh, gets a hold of this sword stick uh, that is supposed to be made of the iron of human blood and yeah, tortured like, souls and so well, on. No, it's supposed to be like the blood of a thousand people that crossed him made, formed the iron. Like you need yeah. so much blood to get that much iron. <laughs> so much enough iron to make a sword stick. Yes, exactly. Uh, and... Vetinari hands it to Moist and says, "Like the real one." The, the, no, no, this is oh, the, the this, is, this is the fake one. Right. And he's like, "Do you, he's like, oh, is this? I've heard that you had something like this." And Vetinari's like, "Do I seem like the blood of a thousand corpses type mm -hmm. of guy?" And he's like, "Well, no, now not that you say it out loud." Yeah, no. And then um, he's trying to get some information out of Moist, and he lets Moist hold this. The, the sword the whole time and he doesn't take it back until he's until he's done and he's doing it to screw with moist because moist doesn't like holding a weapon it makes him very uncomfortable but also they're sitting in a coach alone mm -hmm. and he's holding a sword mm -hmm. he could murder him he could but moist Vetinari, never would he never would because he's no, not he's not, not violent and he's also he veterinary is trained by assassins and he could deflect it and, but, and moist is moist but even still <laughs> it is a show of trust yeah what are you gonna do moist fight him no but i'm saying it is a show of trust. It is, but it's it, trust, but also it's more trust that Vetinari knows. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Where people, like, you notice he didn't give it to Adora Bell. Because... No, no, no. No, of course not. <laughs> but I wouldn't I, push her. I like that Vetinari knows mm -hmm. the things they say about mm -hmm. him and doesn't dispute them because Bafo. Mm -hmm. He's got that same thing. He's got a reputation that's maybe only about a third true, mm -hmm. just like Granny Weatherwax, mm -hmm. just like mistreason like the best witches use the same tactics that Vetinari does I love that 
Right. And like, like I say, it's just him knowing Moist. Yeah. And he says, you know, Adora Bell says, was it really necessary to like torture Moist there just now? Because the only person who can torture Moist is Adora Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, well, excuse me, you know, most patricians have people's thumbs cut off and stuff. This is what I do for like this is my hobby this is what i do for fun Mm -hmm. uh which is this is which is great because that's where he sort of funnels his evil machinations to is bothering people like sitting outside Mm -hmm. and winding moist up and wind is he does the same with vimes yeah but he he just winds him up and winds him up doesn't do it the same way though and that's what i like Mm -hmm. because these books could just be copying like once you get moist to a position of power Mm -hmm. it could just be a vimes book but slightly different but it's not because Vimes has to approach him very differently. He has to, or a, a veterinary has to approach him very differently. He has to trick him. Right. With Vimes, he just withholds a little bit of information. Right. But and with then Moist, uh, he f- then Vimes just gets all yeah. he gets all riled up, and he yeah. just has to go and do the thing. And then if he's not doing it well enough, veterinary will have to drop a, a hint or something. But with Moist, he's got to trick him and think in that corkscrew way, which I love. Like he can do both. And there's a couple of really good details mm-hmm. about veterinary's sort of like cleverness how it manifests in different mm-hmm. ways he goes to visit moist to the post office and he waits for him in the dead letter office mm-hmm. i love this bit it's like a page it's nothing it's so good though but it's and it doesn't come up again it's not no, no, like no. It's, this is not a set payoff thing no this no, no. Just it's a nice just a it's a great detail bit. because this exists in real life the actual post office has a dead letter office and people who get paid to sort of like puzzle out where these things belong mm-hmm. i don't know if they still do but like the goal is that you you want to get the mail to where it's supposed yeah. to go and in Ankh-Morpork, because it's a jokey city full of half-literate idiots, like, they're, like, uh, next to the turnip stand mm-hmm. by Jody's house. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out who that is. And Moist employs very good people to do that. Mm-hmm. And Vetinari's just sitting there, and he picks up, like, while he's waiting, mm-hmm. he picks up, like, five of them and figures out where they go. And, like, oh, this is fun. And he even expresses some respect and admiration for the guys in the post office who do it because yeah, and, you're you're paying these guys enough right because yeah. this is a skill yes and they're very good at it i'm a little better because i'm the fucking patrician but but you don't hear him openly praising someone mm-hmm. like that he'll say they're doing a, a good enough job they're where they belong but the, these these fellows are brilliant and it's kind good. of like in we watch better call saul mm-hmm. uh and there's definitely uh, yeah. some parallels between saul goodman and uh well, yes, and actually some parallels between Vetinari and Gustavo Fring. I could see that. Uh, there's a sequence where this he's making this kid um, scrape out oh, a God, fryer yeah. over and over and over again, uh-huh. and he says to the he says to the kid, "Well, I can I can do it. It's I, like I can see them." And the kid's like, "No, I will." Let me, get get, right. let me get this right for you. I will do it. Mm-hmm. And it's that same when once it turns out he does do it right, he's like, "This is an adequate job." And the kid's like. I did it. Yep. It's the same kind of thing. That's what you get from Vetinari. Mm-hmm. But he loves these mm-hmm. that letter office. And it's a great, it's just a great character shading. It's not, it's nothing. It's like his uh, crossword thing. Well, that was the other one. Yeah. That was the other great detail. And this will come up again. Mm-hmm. The Times has been around long enough that it's not just the news. Now it's got a bunch of features and bullshit and it's got a crossword. And it is a very clever, very mm-hmm. difficult for most people crossword. And they have like a part timer writing it. And Vetinari's like, this is his nemesis, mm-hmm. this woman who's trying to outsmart him because he can't just like look at it and fill it out with a pen while he's doing something else. He's got to think about it. And he's like, this woman, she's she's amazing. Drumnot, you put someone on her because she works part time at a pet food store. And she's, a woman with this kind of mind is not going to be satisfied 
doing that forever. Right. And if he didn't already have Lady Margalata, mm-hmm. I wonder if he'd be into mm-hmm. this woman just sort of like in that sort of intellectual dance mm-hmm. kind of way, not in a not, like we our theory is he's probably asexual and but has a has a brain boner mm-hmm. for people, just very clever people. Mm-hmm. But who knows? We don't know. He we, might we, fuck. Who knows? We have absolutely no idea. There's nothing no. textual one way or another. But he did We don't get... know anything about his personal life yep. is kind of the point. He did get pretty sassy when his thud um, moves from Lady Margalotta didn't yes. get through. Intellectual blue balls. He was he was not happy about and that's one of the most annoyed. That's I've what I'm saying. That's Bettinari. his That's his <laughs> yeah. release, I think, just like the crossword. Yep. It's and I feel like he's kind of into this lady, mm-hmm. even though he probably doesn't know what she looks like. It doesn't like. matter. It's just the idea of her doing this. There's um, a great bit where he also does the Sudoku. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that he just does. He's, he's just like, he, it's yeah. just numbers. Who yeah. cares about numbers? He reads off the numbers and he's like, and I think they did this one about three months ago on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. which I love too, because he just like, yeah. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah. But then yeah. the crossword, I just, uh, mm-hmm. that was so good. All very good veterinary stuff. Um, okay, so let's talk about the lavishes. Okay, there's not a whole lot to say. The ostensible villain of mm-hmm. this is Cosmo Lavish, mm-hmm. who's sort of the heir apparent. Mm-hmm. I get. I don't. There's a whole squabbling family, so maybe it's not the heir apparent. But whatever. But he's the he son. He is. He's the son yeah. of the old yeah. bank guy. Of the guy who had all the dildos. Yep. Um, and he's obsessed with Vetinari to the point where he wants to be Vetinari, mm-hmm. and, and he thinks he can become Vetinari. He read a thing about. Uh, walking a mile in someone's shoes and he took it so far mm-hmm. that he duplicated the cane as we talked about. Mm-hmm. He got a ring made out of Stygium. Is that a thing that Terry Pratchett made up or is that from other fantasy? Uh, or is it a real a, life thing? I think there is. There are things that react, like elements that react well, I know there's. Sunlight I know ex- there's real life things. Yes, it could, up, but it there's could not just like be a, radioactive. Yeah, but there's not like a metal that, in, in this case, Stygium is like the ultimate cool metal where if it if sunlight hits it, it explodes, right. like it sets on fire. Uh, and so you've got in the Assassin's Guild, like the the hip young people in that will have that made and wear a glove over top of it to show how tough and cool they are. Mm-hmm. And Vetinari says, but if you just want the look, you can just wear a glove mm-hmm. and no one would know. Right. Um. So he has that. He, uh, his... A ring mat out of that, yes. Yeah, he, he has a secretary called Heretofore, who... Which I think is a joke. It, it the, is. The person's name was heretofore, and I th- and then his name was heretofore, yeah. which was, I guess, a joke. It just seems like he read a bunch of like old books, and it's a weird got, turn of phrase. Yeah, it's a weird so, turn of yeah, phrase that got so. stuck in. I mean, I've done the same thing. Well, we watched a bunch of soap um, operas back yeah. in the day, like as research for a soap opera mm-hmm. we were writing. And there's a character named Grace who could not remember like anything that happened right. to her because she had amnesia. And so, amnesia. So they kept talking about Grace's past, and they talked about it so much like it was a place. Mm-hmm. We so need to go find Grace's past. Is, maybe he's from Grace's past. Yeah. And so we created a, a town, like the next town over was called Grace's Past, just because right. we heard the phrase so much. So I could see him doing that no and it's i mean you did that happens i mean honestly mine is yeah, mine's, but it was dumb. mine's less cool when i first read the uh all the old sherlock holmes books it sure um 
everyone's ejaculating all the oh, time yes. in that, and it's not like a one-time thing where I'm oh, like, oh no, they're constantly ejaculating. Everyone's just ejaculating all over the place, right? And they must be dehydrated. Yeah, because I'm a moron. Uh-huh. I, every time I was like, eh. well, your your all-time favorite Discworld moment across mm-hmm. 41 books is dog carries like Vibrator. dildo in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm I'm, with, I'm right there uh, with you. But it, it feels like that. It feels like he yeah. read that a bunch. So anyways, his secretary is, uh, he starts calling him Drumnot, and the secretary mm-hmm. is fleecing Cosmo by getting these veterinary, like, artifacts. Mm-hmm. Like, the boots are supposed to actually be veterinaries. They're not. Right. Uh, the cane sword is supposed to be his. He's supposed to get, like, one of the skull caps he wears. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, the skull cap actually turns out to be, like, real. Like, he did get that one. And any any then they murder like uh, any witnesses. And at first you think it's this serious thing, mm-hmm. this like this oh this guy. It's it's another plot to take over yeah. the, the the you know the patrician. Only he's gonna be the. Mm-hmm. And then about two thirds of the way through, you realize oh this is a joke. And I do like that in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it, the pacing is still terrible. But what I like is he is established like every other villain in every other Terry Pratchett book. And then suddenly there's this complete anticlimax where it's like, oh no, he's a gibbering idiot and his mm-hmm. finger's about to fall off. And like, he's literally foaming at the mouth. And it's I like, I enjoyed it once you turn the corner and you realized, oh, this isn't serious. This is, this is right. stupid. He, Cause he's not trying to take over the city. He is trying to transform himself. He even starts using Vetinari. caterpillar butterfly metaphors. Right. And at the end of the book, uh, once again, the good part is at the end of the book, yeah. uh, he is sent to the veterinary wing of the hospital, uh-huh. which is a wing of the hospital that is just all people who think they're veterinary. Just like in old cartoons where you'd see a whole wing of people being Napoleon. Right. And it was it was very funny. It was. It was quite funny. Um, and props to Stephen Briggs, who does the audiobook, mm-hmm. for giving him a gradually more veterinary-ish, mm-hmm. but still a cartoon exaggeration mm-hmm. of veterinary, like, drum knot. Yes. <laughs> Very good. And then we have uh, his sister, who's Poochie Lavish, who's just a bunch of fat jokes. And it's spelled P-U-C-C-I, like like it's a it's an Italian mm-hmm. name. I thought it was, because we did the audiobook, right. I thought it was Poochie, the rock and dog, yeah. which didn't help matters. I kept picturing Poochie. Mm-hmm. And whenever she wasn't in, in the book, I was asking, "Where's Poochie?" Now you're right; she was she was mean and short tempered and mostly just fat jokes. And it's like, are you still doing this? Fat jokes and great hair, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have a wonderful personality. Jesus Christ! Yeah, let it up. There is a good bit with her, though. Yes, there's a good bit when uh, they discover that the gold is gone. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, it's before that. It's when Moist is trying to get everyone to start using paper money, right? And uh people because they remember the stamps because the stamps mm-hmm. are still happening are like i will buy the first dollar bill from you for five dollars because it like the stamps are worth yeah like 30 times and now. she ends up getting a hold of it and mm-hmm. tearing it apart and thinking that they will thank her for it and instead moist doesn't miss a beat and says well now they're more rare so i will sell the first one for 35 dollars mm-hmm. and it's it's so and she doesn't know how to get through to them at all nope and it's a rich person trying to buy them she calls them my good people right versus him trying to charm them (laughs) i did think it was interesting and i didn't catch this when we were listening but we go back through the book to highlight our quotes and stuff like that and sometimes reread the book yeah if if it's a particularly engaging book which this one wasn't 
But like with Wintersmith, I was yeah. like, I did the thing where I looked up and like a half hour had Are gone by. Are you done by. prepping for the show? Uh, yeah, I was. I, the, the, Just reading the I, book I, again. I was. I was. I was prepping for the show. We can do the. We can do the show. We. Just finished reading this book half we, an hour ago. We, we can do. We let's uh-huh. let's let's do the show. I'm ready. You haven't written any notes yet. I see. <laughs> They're fine. Uh huh. No, I do it too. Um, but I didn't notice the first time I noticed mm-hmm. when we did that. Um, Moist tries to charm the clerks or clerks, as mm-hmm. I guess British people say. That still that still throws me. Every Just time. move move along, Clerk Kent. Um. He tries to charm them, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I forgot about that, or I, I missed it, or I was out of the room or something. But there's a there's a guy called Robert something, and he's mm-hmm. like, okay, Bob. He's like, Robert. It's Robert. Yeah. it do, Like, he can't, like, put his arm around them mm-hmm. and, and make them feel like his friend, because that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, which actually leads me to um, uh, Mr. Bent, who yes. we haven't talked about yet. So, Mr. Bent kind of represents the institution of the bank and the gold standard. He basically runs the place. Yes. he's. If it wasn't for him, the bank would have collapsed because he's so good at numbers and making things work and uh, judging character for who they're going to give loans to. He is the economic version of Vimes. Yes. If he trains someone, they can work at any bank in the world and people are proud to have Mm -hmm. them because he's so good at it. Mm Mm-hmm. He's, it was exactly the Vimes thing, only in a different thing, and I liked that a lot, a different uh, context. And so he's like your like platonic ideal of a banker with the striped pants and the vest and And, and he's all almost that. sort of on the spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. he has no sense of humor. Like, humor doesn't register with him. Mm-hmm. And Ah, this was some sort of attempt at a joke. Right. He, he only really responds to numbers, but he responds to numbers in that way that... I know some people on the spectrum can, mm-hmm. which is that, that sort this of savant makes sen- way. This makes sense to me. Right. Thank and God, finally something sensible in this stupid world full of bullshit. And yeah. someone, like, there's, again, near the end of the book, mm-hmm. when we find out what his deal is, which I feel like his arc was a really interesting idea for a character. Because yep. what we find out is that his mother was knocked up by a traveling fool, mm-hmm. a clown, and like an official clown, like from yeah, the Fool's Guild. Like the same way that like a groupie would sleep with someone in a band mm-hmm. and then they would move on to the next town and never call them again. She resented the, the, mm-hmm. the Fool's Guild or the clowns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Was it? It's yeah, the, it was it's Fool's a, Guild. It's the Fool's Guild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they said circus. I'm like, are they the same thing? I guess they are. And he actually is like a famous clown who, yeah. um, from a family that has been doing this same yeah, and this character. kind of this kind of, and we've had that from yeah. the Fool's Guild yeah. before, which was cool. Like way back in the, mm-hmm. one of the early Guards books, we see like the history of the faces and all that. Um, but uh, I, I, this is a story I've definitely seen mm-hmm. before, where it's a rock star in sort of modern set mm-hmm. stories, where like, oh yeah, I don't know, Gene Simmons from Kiss came, and he's really your dad, but you're never going to meet a cl- him. Or... He's a clown and a rock star. Yes, exactly. Nice work, you. Yeah, I didn't even mean that. Yeah. But okay, I was just trying to sleazy rock star that probably would do that. Yeah. Um, but so she resents him so much for making her pregnant mm-hmm. and disappearing that she like raises Malvolio is his name mm-hmm. to not be a fool mm-hmm. to like she so hard overcorrects that he's super serious all the time, but then he discovers what he really is mm-hmm. and tries to be one and it doesn't 
doesn't it, take. No, and he tries to do it, but he doesn't have the training. And yeah, he's got uh, the natural talent, but he doesn't have the training. Exactly, and so it it goes badly, and it's traumatizing. And there's, so he just walls it off. There's this wonderful bit at the end because the the fools guild is sort of taking care of him, mm-hmm. and one of I, I'm not sure if it was Doctor Whiteface face or one one of the well, like, Doctor Whiteface is in it, but yeah, I don't know if he's. But they said like we. We really lost a prince of clowning that day, and like that he tried to do this without training. Mm-hmm. And I forget if it's Adora or um, Moist who says, "Well, what happened?" And they're like, "They laughed at him, but not not the way you not, like." Yeah, no, like yeah. he he failed miserably, and at that point, he's like, "Oh no, clowning is bad. My mom was right. I need right. to completely." And it's an interesting dichotomy, and it's all like I like all of that, mm-hmm. but it's rushed. First of all, it goes really slowly, yep. where we just get the plain old, like uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Bent. Bent, yep, and then like way near the end of the book, he suddenly turns into a fool and mm-hmm. starts like throwing pies and stuff at the at the trial, actually, yep. and that I really liked. Mm-hmm. But then it's almost the end of the book and then we get a sort of a hasty explanation of his backstory mm-hmm. and it's like this could have if this had been doled out a different way he would have been one of the great supporting characters, characters of a discord book so great it's a and really interesting the thing the clown bit is it feels like that's the best we've ever seen he's one of building Terry... on yeah. an established thing that's also based in real life and also based in mythology and everything else like but there it's was all... some good stuff about that in one of the earlier watch books but yeah. it was like it was okay but in this you really come to like Mr. Bent and you yeah. kind of feel for him because he's trying to run this bank and he's not like a har- like he is harumphing, but he's not like an unlikable character who's standing in Moist's no, way. No, but he thinks he's, Moist is he's, foolish. Yeah, he's scared and he doesn't understand and he even says, like he says to Moist, I, they like you. I don't, I, yeah. I, I don't understand what it is to be liked and it's just it's sad and you feel for him and then because it turns moist, out he... moist is all jokes mm-hmm. and tiny lies but and... it works yeah and it's so annoying because yeah when you don't when when those things don't register to you right. and again it felt a little in a good way in a tasteful mm-hmm. way sort of on the spectrum sort of like i don't understand how you do this and now people like you i i can't even like conceive of it much less do it and, and I work so hard, mm-hmm. and this is literally the best I can do, and I'm very good at this, but I'll never get appreciation or love right. from again, it, and everyone loves you. And, I like, that would be so annoying! But again, it came so late in the book, yep. and he's got this one woman who works mm-hmm. in the accounting office who is clearly in love with him mm-hmm. and, and sort of swoops in to take care of him when he goes nuts. Mm-hmm. And I liked all of that. It was really sweet, but it was just sort of rushed in at the end. And it was so good because she stayed the night with him, like, to take care of him. She spent oh, that the was night, a good bit. Yeah, yeah, she spent the night at his house, and nothing happened. She was just... No, she sat up with him because he was unwell. But um, she said that at that point she was a ruined woman because... yeah. She had sat in a woman uh, in a man's uh, bedroom all night. Yeah, and she's what? What was the line? She said she'd rather wear scarlet than gray. Like that, was, she, that wasn't oh. the line I was thinking of, but that was very good. It's just like, so if I'm ruined anyway, why? Why am I not just ru- like I didn't even do it the fun way? Yeah, so I can just and she sort of she sort of freed. First, yeah, like it was sort of freeing. Yeah, at that point, and oh, she she was really good. That that was. All of and, that should have been doled out through the course of the book instead of rushed at the end. And Mr. Bent was the bank, that edifice that Moist was chipping away at. That could have been... Something. The book. Yeah. And I loved him so much. And uh, it just, it felt like a, it felt like a real 
bit of wasted opportunity. And that's the thing. He could have been, like I said before, mm-hmm. one of the great supporting characters of a Discord. And he was really good. He, despite all of this, he was really I, quite good. The thing is, I saw the potential mm-hmm. for good, but I think it was mostly wasted and... Thinking, I fell in love with the character. Thinking back on the series, I will mm-hmm. not remember him as one of the good. Like, I will remember Mrs. Lavish. Right. But I will not remember him. And he was in much more of the book than she was. There were some real duds of supporting characters, too. There was this. Well, Poochie. Poochie. Um, uh, Heretofore and Cranberry were nothing. He, uh, Cranberry is like a posh assassin. Right. And uh, there was this guy from Cribbin. Moist's Cribbins. past who. There's the looming threat throughout the entire mm-hmm. book that he's going to reveal his secrets. He's mm-hmm. going to say, he's Albert Spangler. He's mm-hmm. he's the guy. And I do like that as the stakes for Moist on top of the bank stuff. Right. Is like, oh, right. I'm here predicated on a giant lie. And one day someone might find out this about that. This person knows. I have this great sort of teasing, flirty relationship with this very good reporter. Mm-hmm. But if she found out about this, I'd be all over the front pages immediately. And there's a there is a great bit where Cribben says he knows that Moist is Albert Spangler the criminal because of the smile. Like yeah, everything you changes. Your, you can't change your smile. Yeah, and that's like so that. good. But this character is terrible, and he's mostly denture jokes, which yeah. we did way way back with Cohen the Barbarian early on, and it's like again with this. And again, we could have had someone from Moist past who was a real threat to Moist, who was like yeah, someone, someone up- who's nearly his like like. His mentor. Yes. Someone who's maybe even a little better than he is because he trained him mm-hmm. or like, something. We never had that in um, Going Postal either. Like yeah. the, the pirate guy was supposed to be that and he never really was. No, it was mostly told on show. Yeah. Or someone he fucked over so mm-hmm. bad who was out for revenge could have been another angle on that. And, and someone who deserves revenge. Yes. Like because like, Moist did some pretty terrible stuff. You stole my wife. And my money mm-hmm. and ruined me and so on and so mm-hmm. on. But instead, it was just denture jokes. Yeah. And it doesn't... I did like that it was just like uh, Cosmo, mm-hmm. kind of a kind of an anticlimax. Because in this case, so they, they... All the gold goes... Or they find out that all the gold has been gone from the vaults this whole time. And Moist signed for it. But yes. he just, just... Just like he does everything. He didn't read any of the paperwork. He just... I thought it was a formality. He took it on faith that there were six tons of gold in the vault. Yeah, Why he never wouldn't checked. there be? Yeah. And turns out you signed for gold that wasn't there because and, the lavishes have been stealing it this whole time. And Vetinari says, you thought that that was a formality? Yeah, you thought you, yeah. six tons of gold was a formality? Uh-huh. And he's like, well, when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah. But so they have this whole trial. Yep. Like to, to figure out what's going on. And um, this is actually another passage mm-hmm. that I had highlighted. Um, if I may continue, said Vetinari, I understand that Mrs. Lavish subsequently interviewed Mr. Lipvig and considered that he would be a superb chairman in, every, in the best, very best traditions of the Lavish family and the ideal guardian for the dog Mr. Fusspot, who is, by custom of the bank, its chairman. Cosmo rose slowly to his feet and stepped out at the center of the floor. I object most strongly to the suggestion that this scoundrel is in the best traditions of my... He began. Mr. Slant was on his feet as though propelled by a spring. Quick as he was, Moist was faster. I object! How dare you object, Cosmo spat, when you have admitted to being, being an arrogant scofflaw. I object to Lord Vetinari's allegation that I have had anything to do with the fine traditions of the lavish family, said Moist, staring into eyes that now seem to be weeping green tears. For example, I have never been a pirate or traded in slaves. There was a great rising of lawyers, which is an excellent <laughs> yeah, turn of phrase, by the phrase. way. Mr. Slant glared. There was a great seating. <laughs> they admit it, said Moist. It is in the bank's own official history. That is correct, Mr. Slant, said Vetinari. I have read it. 
And then there's some uh, Latin words I'm not going to even attempt to read here. The whirring started again. Mr. Fusspot was coming back the other way. <laughs> Moist forced himself not to look. This is him carrying a vibrator. Oh, this is low indeed, snarled Cosmo. Whose history could withstand this type of malice? Moist raised a hand. Ooh, ooh, I know this one, he said. Mine can. The worst I ever did was rob people who thought they were robbing me, but I never used violence and I gave it all back. Okay, I robbed a couple of banks. Well, defrauded, really. But only because they made it so easy. And that's what he ends up doing. Mm -hmm. He ends up cutting the, the platform from underneath Cosmo and, and uh, Cribbins. Cribbins' feet by saying, hey, you know what? I used to be a criminal named Albert Spangler, and then I was hanged, and now I'm Moist von Lipfig. And I like that... He comes clean about all of this in this mm -hmm. book. Just the same way I liked in the last book when he told Adora Bell. So yes. it wasn't that like... There aren't things over yeah. his head forever because in a lesser author's hands, it would just keep coming up and keep coming up and that would be so boring. And it's very satisfying like when you have someone blackmailing to say, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, beat yeah. them to the punch. Don't pay them a dime and tell everyone. Here's my sex tape. Yep, exactly. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Yeah. Um, I liked all of that a great deal. But there's, well, hang on. What I wanted to say was there's several points in the book where he runs his mouth first and then has to, oh shit. Mm -hmm. Now I have to, like, that is the right thing to do, but he hadn't thought it out. Just like he never thinks anything out. And I love the description. I didn't highlight this. Just leap, never look. There's a whole passage about how, like when he's talking about going off the gold standard and using paper money. Mm -hmm. It's his mouth, mm -hmm. not his brain. And then his brain is like, what am I talking about? I have to make sense of this now. Oh, uh -oh. God. And that's how he lives. And I love that. And that's when he's talking to Sacharissa from the newspaper, mm -hmm. where he's just like And again, saying, they have yeah. this whole relationship. It's very playful. And, and I like it a lot. And he keeps saying to himself, don't just say stuff to her because she'll she write. She put she'll, her notebook away, but she's still she'll listening. She'll remember. And then, he's just, and then she's like, Moist, you don't seem fun anymore. And he's like, ah, I'm fun. She can push his buttons <laughs> yeah. a little bit, but she he also knows exactly how to get yeah. her to write what exactly what he wants. But so he admits all this stuff, which is great. And again, we're in about the last 10% of the book. And then it's just like, and everyone forgave him. And I buy that the city overall. The rank and file, the mob. Yeah, would forgive him immediately because yes. it's well established. What Ankh-Morpork likes is a show. Yeah. And the. They're never going to not get a show. If he's around, there's always going to be a show. Exactly. So the city. And the thing is also, Moist always wins. Yeah. Which if Moist lost and he got and he got hanged, they'd love that too. There but... are There were several points in the book where. People, particularly Harry King, like would see Moist backed into a corner and double down on their mm -hmm. support of him because they knew this is where things are about to get interesting. You're not going to go down. You're going to pull something mm -hmm. out of your ass that none of us can see. And so Harry King just keeps putting more money into the bank because he knows Moist's got this. This guy's this guy knows what he's doing. And when it's over, he's going to remember one of the richest guys mm -hmm. in the city put all his money in the bank and he's going to give me a better interest rate or whatever. And that I liked all that. And just like in Going Postal, everyone's betting on Moist yes. to win he, at the impossible Even when he doesn't thing. know what's going on yet, they think he does. But like what I thought was like, okay, but Vimes is there in yeah. the room and he hears that this guy robbed some banks under a different name. He's probably got a big file on Albert Spangler back at the watch house. And not just Vimes, a lot of the other guild leaders. Like, yeah. what about the thieves guild? Oh, yeah. You were th you were thieving, were you? We they don't have that... a license under Spangler or Von Lipvig. They take that very seriously. Of like, they do. It, it feels like the city would have forgiven him pretty easily, but it felt very rushed. And like we keep yeah. saying, the last bit of this book, like, 
I don't want a whole book about that. That's boring. I do want him to be forgiven. That's what I want mm-hmm. for this character. I just want to spend a minute talking about it is all. Yeah, and it feels like it would be a real bone of contention or vibrator of contention <laughs> between Veterinary and Vimes. Yeah. Uh, you let him go? Mm-hmm. That's not how justice works. He's a crime. He I'm did a, crime. I'm a tyrant, Vimes. I crime. decide. Mm-hmm. Because Vimes, I'm a tyrant, I do what I want, doesn't work for no. Vimes. No, no. He did this, and it wasn't like, uh, you know, a, a petty crime where Vimes would be like, well... Yeah. Okay. I can see why he did that. Mm-hmm. Mitigating circumstances. He did it for the thrill and people, you know. People died. Well, right. We and, went through that with that golem yeah, telling him. And banks know. collapsed and it right. was like, yeah, it was, it was serious. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I have trouble convincing myself Vimes would be cool Again, with it. Again, I just wanted like half a chapter mm-hmm. resolving that. I didn't want it to. Also, I love when Veterinary and Vimes fight. Yeah, and this isn't a Vimes book. No, but it's fine. But Vimes could show up for or one sequence. What I like is when these character, these important characters mm-hmm. in other books, are sort of like passing. Mm-hmm. Like Moist comes in to see Veterinary for a meeting, and Veterinary says, "You won't believe what I had to offer Commander Vimes yeah. to get off your case." We don't see the conversation. We come yeah. in after and see. I what let Moist him sees. not be a duke anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, we need to start wrapping things up. We are hitting the hour mark. And okay. I haven't done my bad thing yet. Oh, yeah. Well, go ahead. We do that. So we talked about them going to... We didn't even talk about any of the golem stuff at all. Oh, that's right. Oh, I got so into the characters. Okay. Well, why don't you really quick talk about what Adorabelle was up to for the first mm-hmm. half of the book? So Adorabelle was off um, because she thought that they there were some more sort of hidden golems. Because all the golems are very worried about golems that were forgotten about, which mm-hmm. is a very sad thing from the previous yeah, and books. And this technology has been around for mm-hmm. thousands of years. So they find some and they're bringing them back to the city underground. Adorabelle hasn't seen them, but they're these ancient Omnian golems. Um, Omnian. Omnian, Which sorry. is different than Omnian. Uh, and they are, um, they kind of, they were a technology so advanced that they kind of destroyed the Omnian. Uh, yeah, it's it's like it's like a lot of sci-fi stories mm-hmm. about robots. They built a labor-saving device that put them out of work and and destroyed them all. Right, and the idea was that uh, they you know they designed they built these before they built the wheel, and they built mm-hmm. the wheel as a child's toy because they didn't need them because they had there were, golems. There was a lot of the earliest mm-hmm. cultures in that. There was a lot of I think the Aztecs did that, mm-hmm. or maybe the Incas. I always confuse those two. Sorry, Aztecs and Incas. Or maybe the Mayans, um, but there was definitely some uh, Babylonians in there mm-hmm. as well because I think there, what he was going for was Ur, mm-hmm. the city. Like a lot of their cities were just very small, like names and like a lot of their words. Like I think he was channeling that whole vibe of like the the most ancient civilizations that there are made these things. Right, and so she found them, um, mm-hmm. and the word for these golems is in ancient. Omnian is gold, mm-hmm. but it's a very contextual language. So gold might mean um, pro- Valu- like, valuable, valuable like gold. Yes, right. or it could, or mean, could mean literally made of gold. Or it could mean gold. Yeah. And so these golems are marching toward the city. And there's a looming threat that um, an army of gold is going to just march into the game. Which is exactly what Moist doesn't want. Yeah, because he's trying to get people to forget about gold. So they go to... Um, they go to the university to talk to some of the wizards about uh, what these could be in translations and all of this kind of now, stuff. Now, there's this interesting device. This part I liked. Mm-hmm. This this ties into my bad thing, but this part I like. There's this cabinet of curiosities, mm-hmm. which is this multidimensional sort of weird cabinet. Puzzle box. That 
people perceive differently it opens to like 11 dimensions mm-hmm. and it has all kinds of objects of a certain size in mm-hmm. it and it's all pretty interesting and Odorabel saw it when she was a kid before mm-hmm. the wizards decided to lock it away and not let anyone see it and they found a golem foot in there and ponder is working on this <sighs> yeah he sure is yep this is my bad thing mm-hmm. Going back to the university just reminded me of how little I ever liked the Wizards and how much better the series has gotten since we haven't been hanging around Unseen University. There's a couple of laughs, but mostly just the same tedious bits about everyone's fat and lazy Mm -hmm. and Ponder not being able to explain how anything works Mm -hmm. seven different ways. And like, I Ponder was my favorite in a group of Wizards that I hated, but on his own, I don't particularly care for him. Ridcully, I've said many times, is essentially donald trump as a wizard Mm -hmm. he's just ignorant and deliberately a bully and just the fucking worst and everyone loves him and i don't get it and he's not in this one yes he is is he in this one i guess not much yeah not much and then we uh we meet uh professor hicks who is the uh the one joke uh, professor of one joke yes yes i I, I didn't i didn't hate the joke he's like a it's okay he's a necromancer and necromancy is like kind of not a so they called it something else it was okay but they you they leaned on it like he leaned on this so hard yeah like, and there's no necromancy, we're wink. not necromancers. Okay, it was funny the first six times, but let's move on. And we meet um, the the dead professor. The lech that I yeah. mentioned in my the quote. The lech lich. Right. Um, and there was, some, there was some funny stuff about that, but <sighs> we were talking about it, and nothing funny we get from the wizards is worth all of the baggage and unfunny. Right. Like, I would give up the jokes that I laughed at if we didn't yeah. have these long It's not sections. like we got dog with a dildo out of that. Right, exactly. So, no, it, it was it was not the best. And it just reminded me again of how we've had this mm-hmm. stretch of 10, 12 books that are great. And it's because we haven't had any wizards hardly at all because I don't care for those guys. And the next book we're doing... It's about wizards and soccer. Yeah. <sighs> my two favorite things mm-hmm. actually i remember it being pretty good but it's uh, it's, it's not one of my favorites it's new it's a lot of new characters mm-hmm. and it's more of an ensemble sort of book it's a very it it's a very city book very different yeah from the books we've had to this point but we have both remarked to one another that it felt like the most ank more pork like because mm-hmm. you get sort of a cross-section of names that we recognize important people street level people it working class people kind of like the early Rincewind books where we're going from to a bunch of different but places. But there's a plot. Yeah, but it's that same kind of like... A little bit. I don't know that I agree it, with that, but it's we'll... It's more, but it's it's more like that. It's more sort of getting into the city. There's a lot about it I like, but I have I haven't read that one in years. I'm just wincing because there's wizards. There's a lot I'm of wizards. So just, I'm, I never liked them. I never came around on them. Mm-hmm. I was glad that they were gone and now we got to do them one more time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's two more Tiffany books and a Vimes book. And another moist book, mm-hmm. so we're we still got some good stuff ahead, but you know, all right. Uh, anything else? No, we should. There's, there's a, again. Even though this wasn't my favorite, there's a lot of stuff we still haven't gotten into. But like, this show Not can't me. be. This show can't be a thousand years long. No. Uh, one final thing from me, Mister Fusspot eating a toffee. Oh, being so described cute. as the funniest thing is, I, I could, I could have like the whole book could have just been that, and it would have been funny to me. So cute. Everyone just love like watching everyone react mm-hmm. to that is very good. Okay, so for our pune mm-hmm. or play on words, we had two very good candidates. He his pun game was strong in this. It's really good. Like the, I don't know about good, but he did. Them. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I end up picking was this one. Fifty dollars said Cribbins the teeth thing. Mm-hmm. 
appalled at the minimum wage of sin. Ah. Oh, because there was the other one that you also wrote down here. Yeah, I, I picked I picked this one. I liked minimum wage of sin best. Okay, did you happen to highlight the other one? Because I thought that one was also quite good. No, I did not. Okay, well, never mind then. You will never know, people. Yep. You'll have to read the book, find all the puns, and guess which one we thought was almost as good. Don't don't write to us about it. We did, we've we're never ar- given you an email address. So. We're already we're already like well oh, past. Oh, by the this. time you've heard this, we are long over. We're, we're probably only, doing another show. There's five books to go. Yeah, we're almost done. Um, cliche count. This is weird. So weird. None. No gingerlies, no susturations, no surreptitious, no quantum, and no something that happens to other people. You put on your Twitter feed, can this even be considered a Discworld Yeah, book? there's no gingerly. Yeah. It has to be at least one. Uh, there is, however, a sort of tedious, jokey turn of phrase that he's been using. Like a lot. A lot in throughout the series. But in the last, I would say, ten books or so mm, more. No, I think it's been there since the early Rincewind <laughs> books, which is, can the leopard change his shorts? You, and instead the, of spots, you get it. The first time, it was like, huh, kind of funny, I guess. It's like one of those things a dad says yeah. where he's like deliberately saying the wrong thing. And yeah. and he used it three times in this mm-hmm. book. Three. Three it, is so many. It's and it's not, not like a callback. It, no. It's just a phrase. It's not that funny. So. All right. So that's all for this time. Next time, we have already said, is Unseen Academicals. Yep. Um, oh, great. I gave this a B minus. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Like there was some, there were some good bits that I enjoyed. Uh, there's some good character stuff. Some really, really funny jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it didn't and really as we said, the last, together. the last third of the book would be like an A. Yeah, the last third of the book would have been an A, maybe an A plus. Like it was no, not so an a plus, but... good, but it felt like a lot of missed opportunities. And mm-hmm. the first twenty five percent of the book was a real snoresville. Yeah, it was. I gave it a C and. Part of that is because it's such a disappointment coming mm-hmm. off the first one. Like I, by this point in the series, expect the second appearance, like I said before, mm-hmm. of a character to be like, he's worked out all the kinks. He really gets the character now and it's going to be even better this time. And eh, Moist was, but most of the rest of it was not. All right. That's all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algarwad and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2020 and 2021. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more, visit uh, more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.